Today is March 4th, 2022. This is Everyone Has an Opinion. My name is Juan. Let's talk some boxing. Coming off a great weekend. Last weekend was built as the biggest women's fight in boxing history, and it didn't just deliver, it over-delivered. Katie Taylor versus Amanda Serrano was sensational. It was a war. It was tactical. It was back and forth. It was everything you could have asked for and everything it was built as. Amanda Serrano and Katie Taylor really went toe-to-toe for 12, excuse me, 10 straight rounds. Women's boxing only goes 10 rounds, even in a championship fight, even in an undisputed fight. Uh, Hopefully they change that. Hopefully this was evidence that those two extra rounds would have been beneficial for both the viewing audience and the fighters. But anyway, really close fight. I couldn't really call it. I didn't score it. I was favoring Serrano. I was also a little biased towards Serrano. The general public seemed to agree that Serrano won, but I don't think it was a robbery. I think it was a really close fight. Katie Taylor edged it in the end, according to the judges, in a split decision. But forget the decision. It was just great. It was awesome. One of the best fights of the year, if not the best fight of the year. Errol Spence Jr. actually tweeted out that that was his fight of the year, and many fans agreed. I actually follow some some really casual fans who only watch boxing once in a while, and to see that someone tweet out, wow, this is bringing boxing back. I mean, I would love to argue that boxing has been sensational the last few years, especially this year. Uh, one of the best years in history, I believe, we're in, we're in the midst of for the sport. But the fact that this fight stood out so much to him, it was promoted so well, and it really delivered what it was promised, is something amazing. That That is what is going to bring in more casual fans, and it's going to bring them back again. So next time they see a hype for a female fight, or even any fight that's really built well and promoted well, they're going to tune in. They're not going to say, oh, you know, last time wasn't really worth it. No, they're going to say, oh, last time was amazing. This time I'm going to tune in. That's how you build new fans. You you earn, uh, you build trust in your audience, and you earn that trust by promoting well, and delivering great events like we saw Saturday night. Also on Saturday night was a sensational performance by Shakur Stevenson. That one was on ESPN. The Katie Taylor versus Amanda Serrano fight was on DAZN. DAZN announced they got 1.5 million viewers for that fight, which is very good for boxing. And ESPN, I believe, for the Shakur Valdez fight was around 1.2, 1.3 million. Also very good. But it shows that ESPN, which is the best sports brand in the world, at least in America. I don't know about the world, but it is in America. Against DAZN, which is an app, the fact that the women's fight out, outsold it in that manner, outviewed it, had more viewers, had more eyeballs on it, that shows how big that event truly was. But on ESPN, Shakur Stevenson, complete masterclass of Oscar Valdez, something I predicted it would be dominant. I expected Valdez to quit. Credit to him, he did not quit. Didn't really look like he was going to quit. But he did look frustrated in there. Did take a beating. There really wasn't anything for him to do. Shakur Stevenson mastered the distance all night. Really focused in and honed in on that left hook. Did not let it land. I watched that fight live and then I did rewatch. Not the entire fight, but most of the fight again. uh, On mute, because I didn't want commentary really um, motivating or changing my opinion in any way, but rewatching it, I still didn't see any big left hook land for Valdez. That's how focused 
and honed in on that left hook, Shakur Stevenson was. He just knew it was coming. He knew that was really the only way Valdez could beat him. And he didn't let up for all 12 rounds. There was no part of that fight where Shakur really had his guard down. Aside from when Valdez reached forward and grabbed his gloves, um, I didn't like how Shakur was looking at the referee for approval or, or for him to foul Oscar Valdez in any way. I didn't like that. Obviously, like Floyd says a million times, protect yourself at all times. We know that from Victor Ortiz. Keep your hands up no matter what, Shakur, because against Tank or someone like that, that could be very catastrophic. You could leave yourself open for a one-punch knockout, and luckily Valdez didn't really lunge in and didn't really take advantage. But the focus throughout on the left hook by Shakur Stevenson was something that a veteran would do, and Shakur Stevenson is in his early 20s. That just shows the maturity. That just shows the dedication this kid has to the sport. It's unmatched right now in that division. 130, I don't see anyone even coming close to beating him. I think there are some interesting matchups. Uh, Oshaki Foster, who I believe is the mandatory, that would be an awesome matchup. I would favor Shakur, but I think Foster um, has the athletic ability to be competitive in spots. I'm not saying he's going to win. I'm not saying that it's going to be a very close fight, but I am saying Foster possesses the skill set and the athletic ability to make certain rounds very competitive. The fight overall, though, I would still favor Shakur because, like I said, the ring generalship, the focus, the IQ, the defensive ability, the reflexes, everything really is on Shakur's side in that. Um, another guy, maybe Robinson Consayo, the guy who beat Oscar Valdez, in my opinion, before the Shakur fight, the guy who outclassed Valdez, marked his face all up. That guy, I think, would be a tough matchup. Well, I shouldn't say a tough matchup, but he would be a legit matchup for Shakur at 130. Other than those two guys, I'm not really sure what you do at 130. I know Shakur wants to be undisputed. Uh, Ogawa does have a good right hand. He holds a title in that division. Roger Gutierrez, another well-rounded fighter. Could be a decent type of matchup for Shakur. But again, I would favor Shakur in all those fights. Bob Aaron pretty much said F the undisputed. There's no money in that. Well, if that's what Shakur wants to do, that's what he wants to do. He's trying to build a legacy. He wants to be known as an undisputed champion at 130. Go down the history books and then move up to 135. 135, as we all know, is the most stacked division in the sport of boxing. As far as talent pool, there is at least a dozen world-class level championship caliber fighters in that division. It's so stacked. Hopefully these guys can... Mix it up a little bit more, but in June, we do have an undisputed fight, Cambosas versus Devin Haney. So Shakur, in my, if I were to choose, I would have him move up to 135, but I totally get his stance and wanting to stay at 130 for a little bit longer, maybe become undisputed, or at least get a defense of that title under your belt before moving up. <clears throat> Either way, Shakur is one of the best in the sport, definitely in the pound-for-pound pound conversation. Um, I was going to reveal my list, but I think I'm going to wait because this is so ever-changing. This is so uh, so many moving parts. We have so many fights coming up. I'm going to wait till I uh, unveil a new pound-for-pound pound list because this weekend we got Canelo. Weekend after that, we got Charlo Castaño. Um, a couple weeks after that, Tank is in a fight. There's just so many of these top guys fighting so, so close to each other. I'm just going to wait, see how it plays out. 
and then I can make a really good assessment as to where I rank these guys. But pound for pound, we all know that's mythological. That's not real. That's just something that boxing nerds love to talk about. It's it's so cool to discuss different lists, different opinions on where guys have um, different different fighters in different divisions. Who would beat who if they happen to fight in the same division? It's all bullshit, but it is fun to talk about. And of course, I'm going to continue to talk about it because that's what this podcast is for, to talk about boxing. Now, let's go to this weekend. We have the face of boxing, Saul Canelo Alvarez. Big Red, if you will. The man of boxing. The face of the sport. Saul Canelo Alvarez against Dimitri Bivol. Or Bivol. I believe it's Bivol is actually how you how you pronounce it. So, Dimitri Bivol out of Russia. The guy is 19-0, 11 knockouts. He is the champion at 175. He is going up against Canelo Alvarez. We all know who Canelo is. He is the man that moves the needle in boxing, especially at the middleweight, super middleweight, light heavyweight division. Canelo Alvarez is moving up. His last fight was at 168 against Caleb Plant, in which he became undisputed champion. He is 57 one and two. So Canelo Alvarez has the huge experience advantage over Dimitri Bivol. Canelo Alvarez is in a position where he it's almost it probably is the best position you can be in, in in boxing because he's split. You either love Canelo or you hate Canelo. I do not love Canelo. I'll just put it that way. Everyone who's listened to me before knows I'm not a big Canelo fan. Never have been. Never will be. But, you have to take into consideration what this guy is doing. He's in such a weird place in his career that his resume is almost, it's, it's almost upside down. In other words, when you look at his resume and you see some names on it, I think people believe the opposite of reality. The perception is the opposite of reality. Look at Canelo's resume, and you see some names that may stick out to the general public, and they'll say, you know, hey, he beat this guy. He beat Amir Khan. He knocked out Kovalev. That looks very good on paper. But then you look deeper, and the big names aren't what they seem. The winner of Golovkin, the first one was a draw. I thought that was a clear win for Golovkin. The rematch, I also had Golovkin, but I will concede I had it. I think it was 7-5 is what I had on my card. I don't, I don't have to pull it up. But it was it was close. I can see judges giving that second fight to Canelo. I think the second fight was much more of a draw than the first fight. Canelo got the benefit of the doubt in the second fight. Okay, he beat Golovkin, but I also thought he definitely lost to him in the first fight. So that's a little bit of an illusion there. On forward, um, Kovalev knockout. Kovalev was not Kovalev that we know. Kovalev was not the crusher at that point of his career. He had been knocked out multiple times. That is not the same guy. I do give Canelo credit for it, but it is not one of his best wins, in my opinion. Got a guy, Rocky Fielding. They were like, oh, he's moving up and wait. That guy is a bum. Caleb Smith, a guy who I thought would be a little sturdier in there. Granted, he didn't go down. He went the full distance. But I don't really remember him winning much of anything in that fight. He was a big for nothing. He was against the ropes a lot. He was weight drained. He moved up immediately after that fight. 
I don't really consider that fight anything. It was also on short notice. There's a lot of variables going into that fight. Billy Joe Saunders, again, he was undefeated at the time. He was not the Billy Joe Saunders in his prime. Prime Billy Joe Saunders fought at 160. This fight was at 168. Whatever. Guy got his face broken. I don't think anything would have changed in there. You get your face broken. I mean, it's not like his face is any weaker than it once was. So either way, that outcome is probably the same. I don't want to get too deep on Canelo's resume. I don't want to go crazy here. I could I could dig up every single opponent and we'd have a two-hour-long podcast. My point is this. He's fighting a guy named Dimitri Bivol. Most people that watch boxing, never mind people who don't watch boxing, people who watch boxing, the majority do not know who Dimitri Bivol is. The illusion in that is that Dimitri Bivol, when it's all said and done, if Canelo beats Dimitri Bivol, this is just me, I'm not speaking for you, I'm not speaking for ESPN, I'm not speaking for DAZN, I'm not speaking for anyone invested in Canelo's career or any narrative. I'm just saying, for me, a boxing fan who has a podcast, that's all I am. I'm no insider. I don't I don't have any... I'm not trying to sell you anything, okay? Except for your time here. Dimitri Bivol, if he loses to Canelo Alvarez, will be... A top three win for Canelo Alvarez in my book. That's just my book. I'm not saying you have to agree. I'm just saying, just because this guy isn't known by the public has nothing to do with his boxing ability. People don't know who Bevel is because they haven't seen Bevel. Simple as that. I mean, a lot of people, and I'm not saying this is wrong or right, This is just the general public. People that listen to this podcast, people that watch boxing every single week, we are the minority. We are a very, very small percentage of the entire audience that's out there. The casual audience will cling to a Canelo fight. The casual audience in general doesn't watch boxing. They watch programming. They watch ESPN or Fox, or whatever the case may be, videos online, they watch the show. They are fed information by the people working the show. The people working the show, 99% of the time, are trying to persuade you into their product. That is their job. Okay, So when ESPN puts out a fake statistic, and they've done this with every sport, but in boxing I've seen them claim someone is the only person to do something when many other people have done this said thing that they claim is being done for the first time or second time. They do that on purpose. They're not making a mistake there. They're simply trying to curve the narrative. Boxing is a wild, wild west. It's not the NBA. It's not the NFL. They can try to convince you of something that isn't true. And there's no ramifications because there's no one company that's going to crack down on them. So they can they can feed you whatever they want you to eat, really. A quick example would be Nico Ali Walsh. Nico Ali Walsh is being pushed every single ESPN fight or every big ESPN fight. If he's on the card, they're putting him on the televised version 
of the card. They're doing that for a reason. Because of his last name. They're trying to push this kid as he's something special. He's not. He's not something special. I'm sorry. There are hundreds and hundreds of fighters much better than Nico Ali Walsh. If their name was just Nico Walsh, there would be no backing like this for him. I've even seen people, and this guy just knocked out a guy that no one's ever heard of, no one will ever hear of again. Just knocked out some random guy. And people, I saw a casual audience on Twitter, on my timeline, post, enjoy that fight from Nico Ali Walsh because he won't be fighting on free TV again. Basically implying they think this kid's going to be in pay-per-view. That is why they do that. That's why ESPN pushes that, because they want people to believe that. They want the hype to be around this kid. They want people to tune in to Nico Ali Walsh. They're selling you Nico Ali Walsh. They're selling you something that isn't legitimate. They're selling you a fast food burger and calling it gourmet. Only people that truly are invested in the beef and the quality of their meal are going to know the difference. Boxing fans who have done their homework on Dimitri Bevel will all agree Dimitri Bevel is the most skilled fighter at 175 pounds. Take this into consideration. If Jermel Charlo, who is a champion right now at 154 pounds, if someone told you, you know, you see him at a 154, really good fighter, he can beat the best and most skilled fighter at 175 pounds. Now, you could argue Arter Better Biev, and I would make that argument as well. Arter Better Biev is, to me, the best 175 pounder, but I'm saying pure skill. Dimitri Bevel is that guy. If someone said Jermel Charlo can beat the most skilled 175-pounder, people would say, uh, that's a little crazy. I don't know if you can do that. that that's, that's a tall task. Well, that's what Canelo Alvarez is facing. Canelo Alvarez was a champion at 154. He is now fighting the most skilled fighter at 175. Back to my earlier point. Canelo is in such a polarizing position where the audience like I said loves him or hates him they're that same way with his resume I think his fans overrate his resume overrate his uh his ability as a fighter overall I think they think he's the most dominant fighter of all time the way they talk about him like he just runs through every single opponent which is simply not the case a lot of his fights either go the distance are very close um the Caleb Plant fight people said he was going to run through him he knocked him out yeah he did in the 11th round, 11th of 12, that was a long way into the fight before something really big landed. Dimitri Bivol is going to fall right in line with that polarized opinion where half the audience is going to say, this guy sucks, who's he? We never heard of him. That's why they're going to say he sucks, because they never heard of him. The other audience, I think, will say, oh my god, this is so unbelievable. I'm in the middle. Like I said, this could be potentially a top three victory if he pulls this off. He's fighting a 175, undefeated, prime, highly, highly skilled champion. Canelo has fought this weight one other time in his career. And it was against an old, old, aged, weathered, beat up Sergey Kovalev. 
And Kovalev had success in that fight. Don't get me wrong. Kovalev used his back foot. At that stage of his career, he implemented a back foot game that I had never seen before. He was known as the crusher. He was known as a guy that was going to come forward and knock out all his opponents. He pretty much did that up until he fought Andre Ward. Andre Ward fought him very closely in the first fight, got the decision, and then stopped him in the second fight. And then Kovalev was stopped after that. So Kovalev clearly wasn't the same guy. But the fact that he implemented movement and had success, it was very close going into that 11th round, the round in which he was stopped in. It was extremely close. Punch-wise, numbers-wise, score-wise, it was a close fight going into that round. The fact that Canelo is coming back to that division where he, he kind of struggled a little bit, given the competition, given um, the stage of, of Kovalev's career and the outcome. Yes, he did get the stoppage, but... I don't think it was easy for him. Knowing that in his mind, he took a few years away from that division. Now he's going back, and he's not going back against anyone. He's going to get back against a guy much more skilled than Kovalev. Doesn't have the power of Kovalev, but he's much more skilled than Kovalev. A guy that can move much better than Kovalev did. A guy that has um, distance down much better than Kovalev did. A guy that, you want to talk about defense, is he a good defender? Is he better than Kovalev? Let's just say this. This guy isn't just better than Kovalev. Dmitry Bivol, statistically, is the second best defensive fighter in the sport. Not the division. The sport of boxing. Number one, Demetrius Andrade gets hit with 5.1 punches per round. Dmitry Bivol gets hit with only 5.8. Second in the entire sport of boxing. That's what Canelo is fighting right now. Canelo is fighting a guy who I think has very similar attributes to Caleb Plant. I picked Caleb Plant to beat him. That did not happen, obviously. But Caleb Plant, to me, had better legs than Bivol. But Bivol's right-handed power is much better than Caleb Plant. Caleb Plant, to me, and I said it before the fight, was much more of a one-handed fighter. I thought his jab was good enough to win the fight. His jab and his left hook. Two elite punches that he has. Right hand, he didn't really have that. Bevel, on the other hand, doesn't have the left hook that Caleb Plant possesses. But his jab is just as good, if not better. The best jab in that division. Right-handed pop. Something that Plant didn't have. Something that Canelo didn't even really have any concern for. He was willing to take Caleb Plant's right hands because he knew they wouldn't affect him as much. Now you're talking about a guy, a division higher than Caleb Plant, with a little bit better right hand. Excuse me, scratch that, a lot better right hand. A lot better right hand in a higher division. I don't think Bivol has one-handed, uh, one-punch power. I don't think he's going to knock Canelo out with one punch like a better Biev possibly could do. The skill is clearly there for Bivol. I think this is going to be a tough matchup. I do... Favorite Canelo Alvarez. Canelo isn't much of a jabber. Canelo's going to come forward. He's going to be very slow early on. He's not a fast starter. He wants to see what's coming. I'm sure he wants to read the speed of Bevel, feel that power a little bit of Bevel before he really gets comfortable. But when Canelo gets comfortable, he's going to land something big. As much as I'm praising Bevel right now, it may sound like I'm all on Bevel. No, I do favor Canelo in the fight. I'm just saying the fact that this guy is fighting someone like Bevel is impressive to me. I have to admit, it is impressive. Bevel isn't the sexy matchup on paper. Bevel isn't 
the fight that's going to get me super excited. Like, oh my God, I can't wait for this fight. It's not going to get the public. Like, the buzz for this fight is very low. Why? Because of what I mentioned earlier. Because there's an illusion out there that Bevel isn't top level. No, he is. People just haven't been paying attention to his career. He's beaten a guy like Joe Smith two, two or three years ago. He beat Joe Smith. Joe Smith now is a title holder at 175. Joe Smith now is in the midst of training camp for a mega fight against Archer Better Biev, a violent fight, a fight that's going to be one of the most action-packed of the year. That guy. That's a guy that Bevel has already beaten. So Bevel has proven his caliber at this weight for a very long time. So the fact that Canelo's even jumping in is impressive. With that being said, Canelo is a low-volume guy. He doesn't waste punches. He doesn't really jab much. He's throwing big hooks. And once one of those hooks lands, that's when the fight starts. Whenever it is. I don't care if he lands it early. I don't care if he lands it in the ninth round. Whenever he lands that big shot, because he's going to land a big shot. Whenever he does, that is when the fight will start. Can Bevel take that punch? He took some big punches against Joe Smith, who is another big puncher. I think he can take it, but how is he going to react to it? Because he, can, I think he can take one or two. But how is he going to react and how many more is he going to take? Like I said, he's a very blessed defensive fighter. Defensive genius in there. And unlike Plant, Plant, I liked his legs. I liked his movement better. Bevel does have the movement, but it's not really, let me get away from you and back up completely. It's more of let me circle you and let me get my hands up to block you. He's more so he'll block with his hands instead of kind of moving out of the way. Plant was more reactionary. Plant was more um, dependent on his reflexes a little bit with his defense, where I think Bivol has good hand placement, especially uh, his last fight, holding his hand up, covering that left hook very well. It's almost like he knew he was going to fight Canelo soon because I hadn't seen him do that very often before. Holding that left hand up very tight as soon as he jabbed, brought it back, and kept it there like an air muff, as they say, right around his ear and really protecting himself from the left hook of his opponent. And his last opponent was nowhere near Canelo. So Bival's defense, like I said, it's the second best. It's going to be tested against Canelo Alvarez. Canelo Alvarez is going to land something big. I want to see how he reacts. I have seen Bival kind of cover up a little bit when he gets hit. Now, nobody likes to get hit, but... That concerned me a little bit. Bevel doesn't like when he's getting combinations thrown at him. But I don't see Canelo Alvarez as a combination puncher. He's not. He's a plotter. He waits for that moment. And when he finds the moment is when he's going to unload with vicious hooks. Usually to the body, but also to the head as well. Um, something he used against Kovalev was that straight right hand. Bivol been protecting that left hook perfectly. Could be playing right into Canelo's hands. Canelo could be faking with that left hook, come through with a straight right hand that could really change the fight. Canelo, just like Bivol, Canelo, more so, has two-handed power. Right hand, left hand, devastating knockout power. And it translated at 175 before. We're going to see if it can land on Bivol. Either way, I think we're going to get a competitive fight that Canelo wins. I think there's going to be some tough, Tough rounds in there for Canelo, though. I do think the size um, and the the skill overall, it, he's got the overall package, Bivol does. He's got a little bit of everything. Power, speed, defense. I think that package is going to confuse Canelo a little bit. Pause. And 
the volume. Dimitri Bivol is going to be throwing that jab way more than Canelo is really used to. Plant even wasn't a high-volume guy. Billy Joe Saunders is not a high-volume guy. Bivol, a little bit more high-volume, a little more active, especially with that jab. Expected to work early. I think Bivol will get out to a little bit of a lead early. Um, and typical Canelo, he doesn't fight to win rounds usually. And people think I'm crazy when I say I'm scoring a fight. That's why I say Canelo fans are very biased. They think he wins every single round or knocks everyone out. They think the guy never loses a round. I think he's in very competitive fights, but usually lands that punch that will change the fight. He doesn't care about the rounds. It doesn't matter if it's round 11, round 12. If he lands big, he's trying to stop you. And I think we could see that here. And it will be remarkable if it happens. Bevel is legit. Forget what you heard. Forget about his name. Forget about superstardom. Forget about if you recognize him in an airport or not. Because when it comes to boxing, none of that matters. All that matters is what goes on in between the ropes. And what's going to happen is it's going to be a competitive fight. That Canelo lands something big, changes the fight. Either stops him or pulls away later. Another thing real quick I'm interested in is the stamina. Canelo, at times, has been tired in fights, takes rounds off in the middle of fights. I didn't really see that against Plant. I thought Plant was a very good performance by him. He seemed to be very energized, even in the 11th round. He kind of, I think his game plan was to let Plant, the mover, tire himself out. Plant was moving way more than Canelo was. I think that could be part of his, his game plan in this fight, because Bivol is a mover. But Bivol, the thing with him is his, his stamina is top-notch. This guy looks the same in the 12th round as he does in the first round. Difference here is he's going to have Canelo Alvarez throwing hooks at him all night. Is he still going to look the same in the 12th round? I don't think so. So I'm taking Canelo here, possibly by stoppage, but more likely a decision. If you're looking at the odds, I'm not, I don't have them in front of me, but I believe they're pretty decent. If you're one of the guys that thinks Canelo is beatable, I would definitely throw money on Bevel. If you're one of the guys who thinks Bevel is a nobody bum who's going to get killed, then I would advise you to keep the money in your pocket. But I'm saying, based on the odds, might be worth throwing a little on Bevel. Size does matter in fights. Weight classes do matter. Canelo is moving up to a weight class that he's only been in once before. Keep that in consideration. Bevel is an unbeaten champion who has been tested against other champion. This isn't his first rodeo. But it is his biggest. The bright stars, the bright lights, the crowd is going to be chanting Canelo. The atmosphere is going to be something that Bevel has never experienced in his life. Can he hold it together against Canelo? And can he do enough to convince judges? Because remember, crowd, the audience noise, the superstardom, the bright lights, all that works for the judges too. They see Canelo in there, they hear the crowd going crazy. It's going to be hard to convince them that you're clearly winning rounds. So take that all into consideration if you're one of those guys that's thinking about gambling on this fight. Take all that into consideration. Make your own opinion. Don't listen to me with your money. That's just how I see the fight going. Um, I think a lot of people are counting Bevel out, and a lot of people are using that to discredit Canelo. And I do not agree with that. As much as I am not a big Canelo fan... I just have to state the facts, and that's how I see it. I see it very competitive, and I see a guy that doesn't always fight the fights that we want him to see. Yes, we want to see him against Benavidez. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that want to see him against Charlo, 
better Biev. There's many options out there. This is one of the best of them. It's not the best, but it's one of the best of them. Trust me on that. And regardless of what takes place in the ring, even if Canelo knocks this guy out in one round, he's getting all the credit in the world from me. From taking this fight, and especially if he can win this fight. Awesome matchup this weekend. Can't wait to watch it. This is on DAZN pay-per-view. That is another issue. DAZN, you are some clowns for this. You guys predicated your entire company on not being a pay-per-view. Saying, you know, you pay this fee for the year or monthly and you get all the fights. No matter what. Now all of a sudden, oh yeah, this Canelo fight, that's going to be on pay-per-view. Like, what? Um, that's the type of thing that will make people cancel their DAZN subscription just from hearing that. That, I don't agree with. The undercard for this fight is awful. That's another thing that DAZN should have done better. I was excited for the heavyweight matchup. Unfortunately, that is not taking place. It was going to be a really good one. It was going to be Philip Ergovic, the former Olympian, against Zhang Zaili. I thought it was a tremendous matchup of two unbeaten fighters who haven't really proved themselves in the pros. Unfortunately, Philip Ergovic had to pull out Recently lost his father, said he wasn't all the way in on the fight, and I can't blame him. That's tough to go through it, no matter what. Never mind having a big fight against a hard-hitting knockout artist in Zhang Zayli. But Zhang is still going to be on the card. He's facing a last-minute replacement, so I'm interested to see how he reacts to facing a replacement. Let's see if he's still as motivated as he would have been against Ergovic. Hopefully he goes for the kill. Very powerful puncher. And I think a guy who can make noise in the division. I was curious to see how he'd match up against a guy more skilled than him with a little bit more amateur experience. But unfortunately, we're just going to see him in there against a regular... I don't even know who the guy is. Scott Anderson. Never heard of the guy. So hopefully this guy doesn't get too hurt in there against a guy like Zhang. But other than him, Montana Love, a super lightweight, is on the card. He's against Gabriel Valenzuela. That should be a decent matchup. But overall, the undercard isn't really anything to write your mother about. That's all I have for you guys this week. Tune into the fight. Canelo Alvarez, Dimitri Bivol. See if Canelo can make history. See if he can capture a championship at 175 for the second time. And this time against a prime champion. So that's it for this week. Let me know what you guys think. You can follow me on Twitter at someone else. Don't forget to subscribe and give me that five-star review. Tune in next week. I'll have a breakdown of the undisputed title fight between Jamel Charlo and Brian Castaño. Boot Tennis is also on that card. It is one you simply do not want to miss. So stay tuned. The train for this boxing season continues to roll forward. Best fighting the best. What a time to be alive. I'm out.